that's why you don't want to throw too many things in your body all the time because you have one life force and it's the life force that decides when it's going to heal in a particular area and so if you're working with natural medicine your goal is to try to hone that in a direction where you're not going against the grain of what the body would naturally want to do anyway you're just trying to gently urge it to and help it for something that it can do on its own and would do if everything else was fine just get that done now so it's like prioritizing or reorganizing the priorities of the body my name is Amanda Vollmer, and you're listening to the Lifestylist Podcast. This is episode 480, DMSO, is it the most suppressed natural remedy and best kept secret in the world? We're going to find out with Amanda Dawn Vollmer. And man, I am really excited to share this one with you. I've been following Amanda for quite a while, and I'm also a longtime user and deep fan of DMSO. Amanda Don Vollmer is a renowned health expert and best-selling author with an impressive breadth of knowledge on natural healing and holistic wellness practices. She holds a doctoral degree in naturopathic medicine from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto and a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture Biotechnology. And she's also a bit of a farmer and herbal formulator as well. But more than anything, she is a powerhouse of a woman and a real freedom fighter. So I was excited to sit down and have this conversation with her. Here's the gist of the dialogue you're about to hear. We spend a fair bit of the conversation reflecting on the past three years and her powerful perspective on medical freedom and the dubious nature of germ theory. So if you're strictly here for the DMSO deep dive, you'll find that at about the 45-minute mark. But I definitely encourage you to take in the whole conversation as Amanda has an incredible origin story and a great perspective on healing in general. We discuss her life as a Canadian during the era of COVID, her beliefs on medical fraud and misinformation, censorship, all that jazz, what she sees as our path forward and why she got involved in the current end of COVID series, which by the way, has launched and the registration is going through July 11th. That's at lukestory.com slash end of COVID. And when we get to the DMSO portion, we talk a lot about the wide variety of applications for DMSO, such as accelerating healing from wounds, burns and muscle injuries, anti-aging, treating headaches and inflammation, osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis and all that kind of stuff. We also talk about treating mental health with DMSO and the importance of getting pure DMSO and being mindful of the container that it's stored in. The differences between oral and topical DMSO use and how I use it to drive other nutrients like magnesium oil into my skin. And we cover the safety profile for using it in your eyes, ears, and even on your pets. And we also spend some time toward the end talking about each of our personal experience with urine therapy, which Amanda is a big fan. So stick around because that part will likely blow your mind. You'll find links to all of Amanda's resources and everything else discussed in the show notes at lukestory.com DMSO. All right, turn up your ears and turn your brain on and get ready to learn about the least expensive and perhaps most widely applicable natural healing substance on earth with Amanda Dawn Vollmer. Amanda, this has been a long time coming. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. 
Thank you for having me, Luke. I really appreciate, um, you know, being here and uh, I've heard a lot about you and finally we get to meet. Yeah, yeah. We we run in similar circles, I think, in the fringe of the fringe in terms of the alternative health world. And uh, you're always someone who's in the conversations that I have with the people with whom I like to have them. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. So you're in Canada, which is why we're not doing this one sitting here in Texas in my loft. Whereabouts are you? And I'm so curious as to what your experience has been over the past three years. Uh, because the, our our perspective here of Canada is like, oh my God, what you know, what is happening? We feel, I, I can speak for everyone I know that's American. Um, we feel really bad that things were spinning so out of control, uh, apparently. But that's from looking on the outside. Um, how's it been? How is it now? Where are you? Well, I'm in northern Ontario, two to three hours north of Toronto. I'm on uh, 53 acres, beautiful forest. And, uh, you know, I wanted the homestead lifestyle, at least modified to to still be able to run businesses and things. Um, but it was very difficult. I think your aspect of, of what you picked up on was, is probably close to true because we have a smaller population um, compared to the States, obviously. So it's and it, we're spread out as well. And we have very different laws, like provincial laws and then the federal laws. And so like similar to what you have with the states. But um, a lot of people are really just compliant. They don't ask questions. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to rabble rouse. And that was really, the compliance was really a bummer for me to watch everyone just eat it up and consume the propaganda and the agitprop that came with it, because it wasn't just your usual fare. It was TikTok dancing nurses and all kinds of actors and actresses coming on and, and trying to sell you the, the solution, right? So it, it was it was pure agitprop. And you, you don't, it's really surreal. It was the whole surreal experience. And being someone who can see, the second it hit, I called it. and. Because of that, because um, I was very casual about it at the beginning, I'm like, okay, this is the flu, guys. The flu is detox. You guys are overreacting. There's no, there's, there can't be a new virus because there are no such things. So just chill. You want to come in my store? You want to? You can cough on me. I, I don't care. I'm not afraid of germs. Okay, I know m- how strong I am, and I'm not the living dead because <laughs> germs only will infect or change dead, dying, and, and damaged tissue. Never healthy living tissue, right? So I'm cool. I'm, I'm good even with bacteria, you know, blah, blah. But that got me gang stalked. Um, the violence that came at me, I it was amazing. It was um, not what I would have expected of just like a really casual post of like, don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> okay, but my grandma, but my this. And, right. and just still persists. Even today, when I go out, I'll see the occasional person in a mask and uh it's it still shocks me to but here we are i don't know i don't know where people are at but i think they're starting to suspect something is up because there's been way too many other changes going on yeah yeah i i don't really have a realistic perspective i think because i'm am in texas and also the the circles um in which i run are free thinking people you know so it's like 
I, I don't know what the rest of the world's up to, but sometimes when I travel, I was just in LA recently and, um, you know, I saw some people like jogging outside 85 degrees, clear, sunny day, wearing a mask. And I'm just like, whoa, the trauma-based mind control of this whole three years is, I mean, you, I don't want to laugh at people's trauma, but it's like, it's, it's actually just hard to even conceive of the level of psychological damage that the programming has caused. I mean, notwithstanding even the disruptions to small businesses and everything else that's happened, the economy um, and, and such, but just like thinking about, man, people's minds have just been so twisted up. And the further we get away from it, the more my perspective leans into, I don't actually think anything really happened other than people being mind controlled in mass, you know? Uh, but that's interesting, your perspective of Canada, you know, just thinking about, I mean, there's a general kind of perspective of Canadians that they're very polite and just sort of passive and Canada doesn't go to war. You know, it's just people are chill and easygoing and um, kind of settle with the status quo in contrast to some places in the States. I mean, the whole Texas, don't tread on me. And, you know, like everyone has firearms and the populace, at least a certain portion of them do not like to be effed with by the government. Um, so that's interesting. You know, a smaller population, a more docile population and hardier efforts at totalitarian control and overreach. Like that's a combination for, you know, a lot of misery. So my my compassion goes out to you and your fellow Canadians that have weathered the storm. It's, it must have been pretty rough. Yeah, and the politics also is kind of strange because it's it's the classic two-party system. So there's an illusion of choice and we just vacillate, same as American politics in some way where you vacillate between the two parties. But this round, the liberals just stuck their foot in deep and made alliances with the other far left NDP. So they got more seats and they were able to get more power. And that's always a dangerous situation. A liberal government longer than one term is, is just you're, you're guaranteed economic disaster. And then having them handle the pandemic uh was just adding insult to injury. So, yeah. so it's a, a mess. And now people are like, oh, you guys mismanaged and did it wrong and I'm judging and whatever. It's like, but we called it then and you didn't listen then. So, you know, it's all well and good that you're shaking your finger at them now, but the damage is done and it's still ripple effect, uh, like fulfillment is happening right now where we're seeing, you know, economic strife and people are almost in shell shock in a way. Um, they don't even know how to socialize anymore. And uh, it's really odd going out. Um, even now that it's warmer, warming up, people are still, I don't know, it just feels different. And I, I totally know that many awake people left Canada and I contemplated it, but I, I'm very loyal and I, I feel like this is my place. This is where God put me for a reason. And I'm here to do whatever work I'm here to do on behalf of the divine. And I, I, if I'm to move, then I'll be moved. Right. And it yeah. shouldn't be of my own, my own will, my little will. And um, so here I am still. <laughs> wow. Amongst the mosquitoes wow. and the, the black flies. <laughs> and do you, do you operate a brick and mortar uh, business? 
still? Well, during the whole fiasco, I was uh, heavily um, attacked, I guess, if you want to say, or I was fined and I had police coming often to the store and it was very invasive. And not only that, I couldn't trust people anymore because if they got wind of your opinion, uh, it's like they would call you in, you know, they would report you. And they would, you know, write uh, frivolous reviews uh, that made no sense about my business and try to, you know, diminish uh, the good things that I was doing. And I thought that was very unfair. Uh, So my response to that was just to go completely um, online sales and close the physical store to the public. Plus, I moved into a PMA style, a private membership association because the rest of the government was trying to stop me from doing the, everything else that I was doing, which is making natural remedies. Um, right. And it it's interesting because it's made me look at the world very differently, that we do have private capacity. We don't need to contract with the public entities because that gets us into trouble. And just learning how to operate in the private, operate businesses and interactions that way. And that's how I've gone forward um, probably for the past couple of years now. Okay, cool. Good for you. Yeah, that's um, it's always my next big uh, area of focus is how to disassociate myself from the government as a fictitious entity with a social security number and an all caps name and the whole thing. Many people listening will be like, what are you talking about? But um, it's it's a thing. I haven't. I haven't been able to do a podcast about it just because I got to suss out who's the right person and kind of get my head around it to tackle a big topic like that. But yeah, the PMAs and and this stuff is becoming more prevalent. And I, I do know personally one uh, friend who has extricated himself from the whole system and has a different kind of passport and is on paying no taxes and on this whole other trip, you know? And I think that sounds so radical to people because... From the moment we're born, we have this birth certificate that is essentially like a stock that the government owns. And we're like a product that's owned by the government. And because it happens so early on and we have no say in it, unless our parents were extremely on point and and didn't get us a birth certificate, but we're just indoctrinated into that system. But the whole thing is actually just made up. You know, this thing we call the matrix. It's like, if you were just living off the land, which you probably wouldn't be able to do legally because the matrix is so thick, but let's just say your parents lived in the woods and you were born in the woods, you wouldn't be subscribed to any of this. You would just be living out there like a deer or a bear, you know, but there's this grid that's kind of been super imposed across all of these continents And we're indoctrinated into it to such a degree that we can't even imagine that there's another way to exist on the face of the earth outside of that. But there is. It just takes some, you know, legal acuity and study and a number of different steps, which I'm eager to take. But uh, the PMA is a really good start. So good for you. Um, I I want to really talk to you about DMSO, which is something I've been using for, I don't know, God, probably over 10 years or something. I got your book here, Healing with DMSO. We can see that on the camera for those watching the video. And I'm I'm like, I'm super obsessed because I've found it useful, but I didn't know until I got this book and started following your work that there were so many other applications. So I do want to get to that. I'm just reminding myself, don't go off on too many tangents and get lost from the topic that you really want to talk about, Luke. 
But I do want to um, mention your involvement with the end of COVID uh, because I had Alec Zek on the show, a mutual friend of ours, and that actually aired today at the time of this recording. And so I just want to get your perspective on what you think about that project, uh, what you're doing in it, what's your involvement, et cetera. Well, I'm one of the producers and I've uh, done quite a few interviews. For example, I interviewed Cal Washington just on the legal side of things. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. So the, it's a lot of content and it's um, in chapters. So it's it's enough that it will be presented in a bite sizes. So it won't overwhelm people. But I, I just downloaded the... Um, the details today because I think we finalized things and I think we're at 90s about 90 91 presentations I have to double check but it's a lot of material and the goal is to sort of lay out how this all happened piece by piece discuss uh, those aspects from truth and uh, then move it forward into where we do need to go uh, moving forward to prevent this from ever happening again in the future. And that was really one of the main goals of the project. I'm, I'm interviewed as well in many different, I think I'm in maybe 10 or 12 different spots in that. Um, So it's been a lot, it's been a lot of recording, uh, a lot of work and editing has been gone going into this, but it's coming together really well. So I'm excited for the launch. Awesome. I'm stoked. And I think this recording we're doing right now should come out around June 20th, around the same time when this is kind of in the middle of its launch. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes, you guys, at lukestory.com slash DMSO, DMSO. Um, yeah, I'm excited. It sounds like a PhD course, you know, in like yeah. not only what happened, but I think what what you highlighted that's so important is how do we not comply with this sort of nonsense again? Because it's one thing to look back and go, ooh, we see all the holes in the story and we see all of the deception and lies and propaganda and manipulation and all the things. Okay, cool. Even if someone's just waking up to that kind of in hindsight going, oh man, I knew something felt off. I didn't know it was this bad, but even being armed with that information doesn't necessarily prevent it from happening again because a new threat will be manufactured like it always is and people will become afraid and and comply. (laughs) So it's like, you can't, the way I look at it is like, you can't tear a system down that is so embedded. Like this system is just, it's been here for too long, thousands of years the players running the show aren't going anywhere. You think of like a, you know, a Kissinger or Soros, you know, some of these characters, these figureheads uh, that I just see as just so ultimately evil. And you think, well, they're in their 90s. They got to die sometime. And then maybe some good people take over. But then they have kids. You know, they have offspring that they indoctrinate into these systems and then they take over. You know, it's just, it's crazy. I saw something the other day, like, um, I don't want to misquote her, but um, it was a, something Chelsea Clinton had said, you know, speaking at an event and just, we have to get everyone vaccinated or something, just craziness. And I'm like, Hey, I have compassion for her for being, you know, born into this just corrupt, evil family, um, first and foremost. But I also hold her accountable because she is an adult and makes her own decisions. And I'm thinking there's no way she could have defected. It's like you're brought into that and subjected to God knows what abuse along the way. So it's like that, that side of the polarity or duality is not going to just magically disappear. It's a matter of like tipping the scale and waking enough people up so that 
the power of truth and the power of love becomes more prevalent and is the driving energetic force of our continued evolution. So I, I love that part of it. And I highly encourage people to uh, explore the end of COVID. Um, before we get in, one more thing before we get into the DMSO stuff, I've been kind of on the sidelines uh, of the alternative of the alternative health scene for a while. And one uh, topic of conversation that's become really interesting to me is the germ theory and terrain theory model. And uh, I spoke with Alec about it on the show that came out today at some length uh, and think I had a clear explanation for myself. So I wanted to see kind of where you came into that um, understanding and what your explanation of it is, because it pertains to so many things, but most specifically pertains to the psyop that we experienced over the past three years, right? And this whole, was it from a lab? Was it from this? What if there's not a thing? You know, that's that's kind of my question. And why did the flu disappear for two years, almost over two years, the flu flatlined for the first time in recorded history. And then this other thing was attributed to people getting ill, et cetera. Um, so the whole thing is just too scammy for me. And I think at the root of it, to get out of the noise is understanding the fraudulence of uh, virology and the whole way we look at the human body and what makes us sick and what doesn't. So maybe you could just wax poetic on your perspective where you sit right now with all that. Yeah. Um, in 2016, I started to question the existence of viruses, mainly for a few things, but my, my growing up and my education uh, in naturopathic medicine and all the holistic knowledge that I was absorbing there, especially traditional Chinese medicine, there was no place for contagion. And in our historical text, that's not really a concern. Contagion was was only a myth, and it was used for political reasons. And once I found Dr. Stefan Lanka and his explanation of really how the germ theory got a foothold in you know our cultures, uh, it was all born of a fraud. And once I connected those dots, I realized that my hunch was right. The knowledge I learned about homeopathy, isopathy, the pleomorphic lineages that we have in our bodies that help us to cleanse the system. Those are all natural aspects of us that are not to be killed. They're not supposed to be destroyed. They're actually, they can't truly be destroyed because they're like the, the Ouroboros, the, the, the snake that eats its tail, because the seed inside this pleomorphic cycle inside of our bodies, uh, even when it's done its job and it goes back into these little tiny dots, um, that contains the seed for the next um, growth cycle to begin again when there's a need in the body to cleanse. And even the term immune system was manufactured by the very same people who were creating the false germ theory ideology and the vaccines that go along with it. So you see, it was like a big story that they wanted to tell people to keep them in fear, to keep controlling them, to move political mountains, and to essentially imprison and enslave mankind. And they could do it with all of these different fears. They figured out our psychology enough that they could get away with it for this long. This is like a couple hundred years now. Uh, but we're waking up to it. We're starting to figure it out. And it's because one of the reasons is because of scams like the pandemic, which just basically took the flu numbers and made it into something brand new where there was nothing new. And two, um, by taking the knowledge um, of our history and burying it, <laughs> 
um, but really taking the understanding of our bodies and giving it to experts, making um, us who knew about our bodies, who knew about folk medicine, who were empowered how to treat ourselves and what we needed to do um, by chasing out those healers, doing the witch hunts, um, putting them in jail, making it illegal to uh, use herbal medicine and other natural remedies, and then to um, filter the intellectual idiots, as I lovingly call a lot of the MDs, uh, hyper-intellectual idiots, uh, into the schools based on the Flexner report, which basically uh, was going around trying to say, here's how we're going to do medical school. And if you're not licensed, then you can't practice, you can't do anything. The only law will say the only medicine is our medicine and our methods. It came from bullying and it came from lies. And, that, and then we've been living a lie all this time and generations. So now we have to break free from it. And really, if you just study the science, like it, I know it's hard for a lot of people to read studies because they use their own language. But if you just look at it, like with a really critical eye, what are they doing? Think it through, you know, like the method section. They, they have never isolated and characterized a virus ever because they can't, because they're not what they claim to be. And you can't even take a, the, the claim of the DNA strand or RNA strand that comes out of these viruses. That's all generated. That is a computer model generation. It has nothing to do with them pulling out like a DNA strand and like breaking it down into little pieces and making sure they've got it all right. That's never been done. They haven't proved that they could isolate this way outside of a cell and put it into a healthy body and make them sick. In fact, every contagion study that's been done has shown that bacteria, viruses, whatever they're calling, even some of the other uh, fungal forms or uh, mycel forms, um, don't cause a contagion event. So where's the science, right? You have really poorly done science that those who watch television will claim is science, but they've never read it. They don't know what they're looking at. They're basically just repeating propaganda. And the issue is that we do get ill, obviously. We, we do um, express symptoms but they told us that the symptom is the disease rather than explaining it. The body has these cleansing systems, not an immune system. And the cleansing system helps to remove any debris that's not welcome, uh, balance the terrain, balance the pH, and ensure that the cells are rejuvenating properly for maximum homeostasis rather than saying, they say, oh, symptom means you have a disease and we have to suppress those symptoms with the drugs that we've made for those symptoms. And what happens is it looks like magic. And and so this is how they've gotten away with it because oh, they can man, make that's it. yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. That's they can wave their magic wand, right? Oh, I'm good now. It looks look, isn't that amazing? What a heroic doctor. Let's stand outside and clap for them, right? But meanwhile, what they're really doing are hurting people. They're actually making their health worse. And so they're getting all this false heroism when it's really, they should be in jail. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, because they're crimes. Because if you understood the elegance of this system and how everything is connected, and so say you have a, something going on with your foot, well, that could be because of your hip or you have skin issue. Well, that could be your liver or you have a hearing problem. That could be your kidneys, right? And they don't make these connections. They just have specialists for everything. So they have... Um, basically broken everything down into all of these little bits that make no connections for people. 
And that's exactly the opposite of holistic medicine. It's deduction and reduction to a point where nothing makes any sense anymore. And they are trying to explain it away through math and um, and modeling. And so we get the math and the modeling and the, and the uh, cartoons. And that's literally what people think is reality, cartoons. Um, but there's been not one picture of a virus ever made. Any of those pictures, they claim to be a virus. I think Ebola is actually a worm, um, that famous picture. Some of the other pictures are just endosomes or exosomes or cellular debris. But the big flaw is they have dismissed the cytopathic effect. And that's what Dr. Lankoff found out. He said, oh, wait a second. They're taking tissue out of a, a body. They're putting it in a dish. They're adding all these chemicals into it. They're adding other nucleic acid particles into it. And then they're saying they've, they're growing a virus. <laughs> but really, it's just a sick cell. And sick cells produce these particles of decay. And they take those particles and they claim they found some kind of new particle. It's scientism. It's a, it's a dogma. And it is uh, not scientific fact whatsoever that viruses exist. They just don't. All right, peep this. If you'd like a shortcut to better sleep, more energy, and a calmer, more stable mood, then you want to be supplementing with magnesium on the daily. Here's why. About 75% of people, probably you guys listening included, are magnesium deficient. And this can lead to anxiety, irritability, wax sleep quality, and low energy. It can even contribute to foot and leg cramps while you sleep. Because magnesium is involved in more than 300 chemical processes inside your body. So things tend to fall apart if you don't get enough of it. So the obvious answer there is just take magnesium every day, right? Well, sort of. To experience these health benefits, you have to get the right kinds of magnesium. And it turns out there are seven unique forms of magnesium, and you got to get all of them to receive its many benefits. And this, my friends, is why I take Magnesium Breakthrough by Bi Optimizers. It's the only organic, full-spectrum magnesium supplement that contains all seven different forms. And it's your lucky day because Bi Optimizers, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, are offering some incredible bonus gifts for a limited time. Here's the madness they're up to. They're going to toss in free bottles of their powerful digestive enzymes called Masszymes and their patented probiotic P3OM, along with your Magnesium Breakthrough order. Pretty generous, I must say. So to score all that, visit magbreakthrough.com Luke and enter Luke10 to activate this exclusive limited-time offer. This offer is only available at this specific link, magbreakthrough.com Luke, and that code again is Luke10. Yeah, it's it's a religion, you know, it really is the scientism. It is the most defended religion on on the planet, I think. You know, it's just it's crazy to me as I create these podcasts and share people like you with the world that the level of deception of the public is so astronomical. And, and so multifaceted. I was just watching a film last night called um, Level With Me. And it's a documentary about this fake space programs and all this stuff. And I'm watching that and I'm just like, and we'll put that in the show notes, uh, by the way, guys, at lukestory.com slash DMSO. I'll put a link to that. It's free on YouTube. 
And I'm watching that and, you know, people are sharing their opinions, right? Like, oh, I believe the earth is flat. I believe it's this or, you know, whatever. Um, And much of which can't be proven. But what was absolutely proven (laughs) was that all this, these rocket ships and pretending like we're going to the moon and, you know, all of these explanations of like what space is and what the earth is. I don't know what the truth is, but I know bullshit when I see bullshit, right? It's just, it's incredible. And when you look at medicine and its areas of science, as you've just described, like the birth certificate, like our servitude into this matrix of civilization, it starts at birth. And and so because I think it starts at birth, it becomes integrated into the ego, right? Into the persona. So these beliefs start to become part of who we think we are. And when those beliefs are questions, it's received by some as a direct affront to their existence, right? It's not just like, oh, you're picking apart one of my beliefs, Amanda. But if, I, if I'm so uh, strongly adhered to that belief to, to the point that I'm integrated with it as a part of myself, and then you threaten it, you're actually threatening me, right? And, and we saw so much of this over the past three years. Um, it's, it's just it's just crazy. You can't, I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe how deceived we've been about so many important facts about the human experience. You know, it's just mind boggling. I mean, it's like, you got to laugh at a point. It's just like, wow. And, and something interesting about what you just laid out there. And thank you for, you know, a nice compact, um, you know, a description of this model it was only a couple or a few hundred years ago that the vast majority of human beings believed different things about the nature of the human body, about medicine, about health, about the cosmos, about the nature of reality itself, right? So we we think uh, myopically, I think, as, as citizens of the earth that like, oh, well, medicine's always been this way. They've always believed this. Um, the cosmos, the solar system, all this is, that's what we've always believed. And then you look back not very far and everyone on the planet thought something else, right? And then somehow these really intelligent entities entered into the picture and jostled their way into positions of power and influence and went, hey, we have this new story. And it's a really new story. And in many cases, um, erroneous and, and deceptively, deliberately deceptively erroneous. But we're just so close to it in the timeline that it's difficult to see. You just, it like destroys your whole worldview if you realize like, wow, everything is a lie, or at least much of it, you know? Uh, so I just, I don't know. It would be, I would be depressed if I couldn't laugh. You know, all you can do is talk to people like you, share the conversations, let people do some research and see what they can figure out. Um, so thank you for that. And it's something that I'm committed to covering more on the show, specifically that topic, because here I'm doing all these episodes about health and biohacking. And I mean, I say stuff all the time, like, yeah, I love ozone because it kills germs because the germs make you sick. Like I'm part of this belief system. So I'm just starting to kind of get unplugged from that matrix and think about things in a more broad and open-minded way. Tell us a little bit about um, your healing journey too. I I find that people that are radical thinkers and shakers and movers in the world uh, typically have their you know, dark nights of the soul that they go through that kind of empower them um, with passion and information. What's what's your journey looked like? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been the the you know the wounded healer path mainly. 
Um, so I've had to experience a lot <laughs> in order to really feel it inside of me so I can, I can understand, you know, what's happening and, um, hone my intuition. And however, it's set up for my personality type has been really a wild ride so far. <laughs> and the last, um, few years, uh, well, the last decade really, um, I had some injuries done, you know, when I was still, um, so after school, I, I basically lost everything. I went through like a really deep, dark night of the soul. I've been through a few, but that was like where I lost everything, where I had to be like ho- almost homeless because I had to feel what it felt to be completely unsupported or feel unsupported and that it was all on me. So I had to grow up. I had to become the the parent for myself. And through that process, um, which is completely empowering, uh, and I learned, you know, a lot, obviously, about health and, and, and what this world's about. But mainly, you know, the journey has been a struggle because of the injuries that I I went through, um, particularly with root canals and dental work and cavitations. Mm. Yeah. Um, really problematic. And so many people suffer with, with this. And and then this the long of the short of it is that um, I'm into the last layers of this next cleanse. And then I finally found the dentist that I think will work for me. And hopefully I can heal, you know, the things that I've had to keep up on top of for, you know, the last 10 years, 10, 12 years almost now, um, which is, it meant that as much as I was working and as much as I was present for people, you know, in the background, I was suffering a lot because I would get migraines often and they would be like full body migraines and I wouldn't be able to function for a day or two. and. So this sort of thing happening over and over again. And then my lymph nodes were getting um, infiltrated by all the toxins and breast was getting involved. And so there was a lot there, but it's just kept me propelling forward into more and more information, remedies, solutions, herbs, plants, people, everything. So I think that one thing I've come to learn um, is that uh, actually through a book I have here, um, Archetypal Medicine. Um, this is by Alfred Ziegler. Yeah. And it, it's a nice perspective because it states that really your health and the disease state are one and the same because you are simply going through transmutation all the time and you cannot grow without that little bit of stress or that little bit of pressure. And this is telling you or teaching you a lot, but also it's, it's formulating your journey. It's part of your journey and to not reject what you're experiencing because we just want the nice things all the time. And we don't want the not nice things. All totally, the time, totally. Right. And when I was practicing Buddhism, um, which I did formally for a number of years, a lot of it was about suffering and about how to alleviate suffering, but also that was through being all right with the discomfort, like owning the discomfort, sitting in the discomfort. When you're meditating for six hours, your legs are gone. <laughs> They're not even there anymore, right? So you you are okay with it. You become okay with the bug landing on your skin and you're not, you don't need to react. 
Um, and it teaches you this inner peace where that nothing in the external can really hurt you or touch you. Um, and uh, it was very powerful for me to go through that. So uh, it's been quite a ride. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's totally taught me, you know, how to be a really good practitioner and also a good parent for my daughter going through all the, the things that I had to do and then see having a natural child um, uh, who has never been to a doctor to see how incredibly robust she is. And um, I don't need to take her, take her to a doctor because I didn't have her poisoned at the beginning, which is why they keep having to take their kids back because they have ear infections, throat infections, skin issues, you know, sleep disorders, mood disorders, all these things. It's because they got vaccinated when they were a baby or they got the K shot or they got, you know, the ointment in their eyes and they didn't connect with their mother or they got a C-section or they had, you know, some sort of wound trauma or whatever. Like we're just the, the conception to birth story is full of trauma. And we wonder why, you know, we have these problems and autism through the roof and all this stuff. So it's, it's told me a lot that why I've struggled so much throughout my life is because of what the doctors did to me in infancy and my youth. And that I was indoctrinated to think that I had to have these vaccines all the time into the point where I was a good little girl. So if, if my mommy said, it's time to go get your booster, I'd just go myself and go get a booster, you know, from the doctor. I didn't think anything of it. I thought I was being a good, obedient person that was there to, you know, serve my community and like this sort of thing. That's part of the indoctrination, right? And then I started to clue in that this isn't, this is a false because this has set me up for my teeth falling out and <laughs> all kinds of problems with my body. Um, and my tonsils being removed and all this kind of stuff that should never have happened to me. I mean, to the point where I had tubes in my ears and one of the two, one of the grommets, they said, bore a hole and the hole wasn't repairing itself. And so I would have had to wait for a few years till I was 16 for them to do skin graft operation on me, but I wasn't old enough. So in the meanwhile, they scared the crap out of me by saying I could never get my head submerged in water. And therefore, I never really learned how to swim. I was afraid of water. I was even afraid to take a shower. You know, this is the fear and the, the things that they do to children that affect your whole life. I mean, just like what they did with the pandemic. These things affected the, your whole life, no matter if you fell for it or not, where you moved to, your whole communities fell apart, all your patterns of your natural routine were thrown up in the air. You know, you lost friends, you lost family. I mean, the recourse of what they've done is so evil is so you can't even put the words around it what's been done and they've been doing this all along they've been stealing away our life force like this all the way through and really it just comes down to the way that they've approached medicine as really a cult and also as a measure of control and of stealing away your power so you don't even know what's going on so they can tell you what to do. Now they're the authority. If you don't listen to authority, then you're X, Y, Z, you're irresponsible or whatever. I mean, the courts are rife with this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You get a really terrible mother who wants to steal the kids from the father story, right? And he's like awake, she's not. And then, and there was tons of this, I'm sure more even now. And then they use all of these sick tactics to rip the children from a natural parent. It's demented. And so as we've gotten into this 
you know, descent here. Um, we can only hit rock bottom. <laughs> I think we're almost there <laughs> before we bounce off the bottom. And hopefully we get, you know, get back up there again where we shake it off and and remember that we're we're a family and that the evil people who I don't think are even related to us, to be quite honest, um, or they don't seem to act with compassion or love towards us anyway, um, that they're not the authority, that they don't have the power, that they manipulate us to take the power from us and use it against us as a weapon. And so that means it's us. It's up to us. It's in our hands to stop it. I know it seems big and crazy and whatever, but they're using us and they actually need us energetically for their their survival. And as we learn, as we grow from this, we're going to see a big sea change coming. Even if it's just 10%, 15% of us, it's enough that we can turn the tide. So I'm looking forward to their reign being over and us, you know, building a new story. Me too. Well, the one thing that's encouraging is when parents are awake to this stuff and create organic, natural kids like you've done. I mean, those kids are going to have such a different experience of life and reality or, and, and are eventually going to impact culture positively, right? If, if they can survive the scrutiny of being different from the masses of the other kids, right? But that that's always the encouraging thing to me is like, all, all my friends here are having kids, we're working on having a kid. It's like, I think people that are conscious need to have a bunch more kids, you know, it's like, and, and don't torture them and don't allow them to be tortured and poisoned and cut and burned and whatever, you know, all the shit that they do to these poor babies, myself and you included, it sounds like, um, you know, imagine how different one's life would be if they weren't circumcised and ultrasounded and shot with all this poison and shit when they come out of the womb and the disconnection from the mom. And there's just like, the trauma is so vast. And and even just the absence of that trauma, I think, is going to just give someone a huge leg up in their ability to thrive and to affect change, you know, because it's it's a consciousness thing. It's like, you know, they say um, politics are downstream from uh, culture, but culture is downstream from consciousness. Everything is downstream from consciousness, you know. So if you're a conscious parent, you're raising your kids with a spiritual understanding of their place on earth, what the earth really is, what reality is, and not allowing them to be indoctrinated, that's going to have a massive impact, you know, because the level of consciousness of culture in general is going to, uh, it's going to raise and it's going to spread, you know? So I, I love that message. And um, it's really important too, I think, to have some hope, you know, when you start to learn about this stuff, it's pretty gnarly. I mean, you you know, you, we go through our interpersonal dark nights of the soul, right? Physical problems, emotional problems. I have a you know a lot of issues I've overcome in the past, and and then your life starts getting better, and you do the work, and you heal all the things, and then your awareness starts to open up to the nature of reality, and you start to see the truth. And it's like God, I worked on myself and have gotten to a certain place of understanding. Now I'm able to see like how gnarly the rest of the world is, and then there's like other stages to go through where you come to terms with that and find your place and you know find the best way that you can help affect change starting within yourself so i I love your perspective i'm 
going to take a minute to share one of my most awesome recent discoveries, the Lord's Hydrofix Hydrogen Generator. Molecular hydrogen is an insanely potent antioxidant. In fact, it's so powerful that it's been shown to reduce oxidative stress in various tissues and organs, including the brain, heart, liver, and kidneys. Because hydrogen is the smallest molecule, it can penetrate where other medicines or natural antioxidants can't. It's so small that it can easily get into your mitochondria and even cross the blood-brain barrier to impact neurological health. Well, finally, we've all got access to medical-grade therapeutic hydrogen for at-home use with the industry-standard Lord's Hydrofix. The Lord's Hydrofix is the only hydrogen machine that produces structured hydrogen, and that results in a more stable, longer-lasting, higher-saturation hydrogen water and even gas that you can inhale. By consistently drinking hydrogen-infused water and inhaling hydrogen gas, you can introduce the most powerful selective antioxidant into your body to combat the oxidative stress of modern living. And that, my friends, is why I keep my Hydrofix right here on my desk so I have hydrogen water and gas on tap all day long. It's pretty amazing. If you want to follow suit, here's what you do. Go to holyhydrogen.com to get in on the most powerful healing substance on earth. And that's not an understatement. Again, go to holyhydrogen.com. And if you use the code GOH2, you're going to save 100 bucks at holyhydrogen.com. All right, let's get into uh, the DMSO stuff here. I just, I always find that, you know, when I start an interview, it's like, I have a topic I want to cover, but I really want to get to know the person and their perspective too. So I apologize to the audience that thinks I'm doing like a clickbait and switch on them when I title something one way and it takes me forever to get there. There's just so many interesting things to talk to people about. Uh, but as I said, I've got your book here, Healing with DMSO. And um you know, something, again, I've been using for a long time, and I think kind of in the fringes of alternative health, some people are aware of it. But I know there's going to be thousands of people that hear this conversation that have never heard of it. So let's just start with the basics. What is DMSO and, um, you know, what are its origins of use? Yes, well, it's uh, dimethyl sulfoxide, and um, it is, it's come from trees. I mean, Basically, it contains organic sulfur, and it's not new or anything. It's just that back when um, it was identified as a solvent, it was like a perfect solvent, and that's how it was used. Um, and so, over a period of time, so the the first the first sort of person was a Russian scientist. It was in 1866. So um, his name was Alexander Saitchev, and he isolated it. And he noticed it wasn't toxic and had like a garlic taste. And he thought it was, you know, really controversial, actually. And then it, it actually started to become tested in all kinds of studies and things going forward. But it really wasn't until 1963 when a research team who was um, spearheaded by Stanley Jacob, an MD, he um, which now this comes from the craft um, uh, pulp process. So it's actually not that hard to to extract, except there's a lot of dis pressure distillation, so it's it's a little tricky. But it's a sulfate process um, in craft pulping. So they make what's called a white liquor, and that breaks the bonds between the lignin and the um, 
the cellulose. And so that's where they get the DMSO. So literally it, the DMSO holds the lignin and cellulose together, which is the strength of the tree itself. And so think about this strength and what it does to us, it strengthens us, it strengthens our tissues. It strengthens the connections between whatever we're calling cells here, because we also have to question all the biology at this point too. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll just tongue in cheek some of the terminology here. Um, but really it'll treat, it is the substance that can treat the most things of all out of any substance that exists, which is really quite profound without doing tissue damage. That is, um, uh, long jet, like, uh, for example, you can take tissue and you can use it as a preservative and it won't alter the tissue permanently. It will always re re uh, return to its normal shape. So it's used in transplant surgeries. Um, and so its main claim to fame was with pain. Um, I only learned about it in school because they taught us in sports medicine that it was used for pain. And um, I didn't want to go into sports medicine. So I thought, I don't need to know about this stuff. Who the hell cares? There's so many remedies. I'll just do everything herbal or homeopathic. Um, but then when I had my store, I started to investigate it and I found it extremely powerful. And I made like a really big video about it because I was so excited. I went into a deep dive and I read like 50 studies. I was in shock of what I what I read. I mean, we're talking burns and arthritis and even things like Down syndrome, healing Down syndrome. I mean, I didn't even know you could heal Down syndrome, um, uh, strokes and head injuries and like really strange diseases like scleroderma or um, certain types of um, uh, amyloidosis. That's a very famous one with DMSO. Um, I make a, a bunch of blends uh, for things like toothaches and uh, an after uh, an afterburn sort of gel that really soothes the skin, like you get sunburn. So it's like 300 ailments at least, not more, right? So that's, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's so fascinating about your book because I've only ever just used it, um, I guess, as a solvent. I use DMSO when I want to drive something into my skin. So that could be like a CBD cream or um, transdermal magnesium or something like that. Just like if I want it to penetrate because I understand that at least it does that, but I'm, I'm reading your book and there's stuff and we'll go into a lot of this stuff, but you know, for your pets and this and like all of these different ailments. So that of course leads me to the question of like, well, why doesn't everyone know about this? And why isn't it everywhere? And, and then of course my answer to that, and I'll see what yours is, is that it's very inexpensive and you can't patent it. And it seems like when a substance is discovered, whether it be made by nature or made by humans, um, that they tend to get either demonized, repressed, or both because the powers that be won't be able to profit from it or control it. <laughs> it's, it's like, those are the things that get my interest, you know, most of all. And I think that's why I'm like, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta deep dive DMSO. I gotta, I gotta get into this. Um, is it, is it present in all trees? Like any tree that's made of wood essentially has DMSO in it? Yeah, and also in the air or ocean side. So it's part of the natural sulfur cycle. So if you like just were walking by the ocean, you'll get wafts of, of DMSO. You'll just be breathing it in because it's part, it's one of the steps in that cycle. Um, so certain algae and things put it off. So there's quite a few life forms and even foods that contain DMSO as well. So it's very, very natural. It's sort of all pervasive in all kinds of different life forms. 
but the majority is in like more hardwood trees um, or even like a lot of maple trees, that sort of thing. You'll that's where the extraction comes because there's already an industry. There's a pulp and paper industry. Um, so it's a waste product. They don't use it for anything for that comes away from that. So then they sell it to companies and they purify it uh, and take in any of the residue white liquor uh, out and um, run it through, you know, activated charcoal and purify it to sort of like a pharmaceutical grade. So it's, it's a clear liquid, completely transdermal. I explain in the book, there's like three ways that it kind of opens the skin barrier and gets in. And it is a carrier. It does carry all kinds of substances that are low molecular weight. And if it's too high of a weight, it, it, you might feel it <laughs> trying to go in. <laughs> like some, uh, some essential oils, you'll kind of feel that stinging. I've made that mistake with DMSO before. I'm like, yeah. oh, something's good on your skin. Just put DMSO with it. And I definitely have, I probably with essential oils, yeah, I put something on that was a bit strong. And I mean, it didn't hurt me, but it's it a little discomfort, you know. Um, what yeah, about, you might get redness or burning or tingling. That's kind of normal. Yeah. So um, um, does my uh, transdermal magnesium oil application make any sense? Is is it adding any effect by using D a DMSO roller first on my skin and then putting that oil in? Yeah, I actually make a 50% magnesium oil with DMSO as a product. Oh, no way. Yep. Cool. Yeah, very, very popular. It actually takes the itch away from both products, which is fascinating because magnesium oil sometimes can itch, especially yeah. in females with more estrogen. And um, with DMSO, sometimes it can itch. But together, they, they have a nice synergy. So they tend to be less irritating with one another. And you will get better absorption for sure. And utilization and delivery. So it doesn't just stop with the barrier part with the transdermal aspect. It's also helping internally work with water to transfer itself quite quickly through the waters. And that's why, you know, you can put it on your finger and in like less than a minute, sometimes it's in your mouth. Like you can taste it in your mouth. You're like, what's that taste? Well, that's the processing of the sulfur and it's actually putting it off of your breath, which is the only downfall really of DMSO mainly is, is the DMS breath. Uh, once the oxygen comes off, then you can get that. But I, I have some solutions in my book about, you know, how you can offset some of that. You can use like MMS spray or hydrogen peroxide spray and it'll, it'll dull it down so you can have a social life. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I've never, I've never actually noticed the, um, the odor from using it. Maybe just people were being polite and didn't mention, Hey, you really smell like, um, garlic or something. But I have a friend who's been, um, working on a skin cancer issue. And so he tries all of these different protocols and stuff. And then he recently did a run of using DMSO internally. Apparently he was drinking, you know, some portion of it or something. And, um, not only when he was around, was there a very strong odor, but also when he would go away <laughs> and he's like, Hey, sorry, I'm on a DMSO thing. It's driving my girlfriend crazy. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I won't even notice. And I did, I was like, Holy shit. So what's, what's the deal with using DMSO internally? I mean, aside from just it's coming out of your pores and your breath and, and creating an odor that might be displeasing to some people, but what, what are the, some of the uses um, in terms of taking it internally and safety profile and, and whatnot? Yeah. Anything um, above the head, generally speaking, and internally your higher end dose is about 50%. 
although some people have done some real kamikaze things and they're fine. Um, but just for safety reasons, that's the upper level. And usually I suggest one teaspoon and four or five ounces of water or juice a day as your is your internal dose. If you're just generally treating pain or you're working on maybe some arthritis because this um, sulfur helps your detoxifying systems. So it is a master um, antioxidant and free radical scavenger reducing reactive oxygen species, which they cause a lot of chaos in the body, which can lead to uh, too much cell debris, which need to be pocketed away. Therefore you get cancer pockets. And um, it is just the, the smell part changes with different people. I find like some people are more toxic than other people. So the way that the body's processing it, um, sometimes if it adds, like if you're really oxygenated or you're like, um, say you're on a hydrogen machine or something and you're getting more hydrogen, more oxygen, then you might not smell as much because you're making more of DMSO2 rather than breaking it down into this um, byproduct that gives the odor. Um, so, cause MMS, uh, a lot of people are a little more familiar with that, which is its cousin DMSO's cousin is in a crystalline form. And a lot of people take it for like muscle building or healing their gut or, you know, doing certain detoxes, that sort of thing. Um, so that's a sulfur crystal and it's DMSO2. It has two oxygens onto it. So it's acts a little bit differently. So it'll, it'll grow skin, hair, nails really nicely in that format. DMSO will too, but MSM is really um, absorbed well by like all the skin and, and tissues and that sort of thing. So like healing your gut with it is really helpful. Healing ulcers, you can use it that way. Um, any type, I mean, literally any ailment, you're going to want to use it. And there's just different protocols, which I have lots in my book on how to apply it for all those different conditions. And then the synergy that it has with other herbs or other medicines even like they even use it in some places with chemo not that i recommend chemo ever but you know what they're they know chemo's poison even they know they're like their goal they think they have to kill this is the mistake we don't kill but they think they have to kill and that's the solution and so they want to kill less so they add dmso into it so that there's less chemical and more action of the chemical so there so that's why people who are on medications have to be careful with dmso because it'll upregulate your blood flow and delivery of the drug so you'll get more drugs so you get more bang for the buck on drugs so say you're on a thyroid medication you want to use dmso you can but you may have to titrate down your dose of your thyroid medication so you don't overdose your medication that's where people have to be aware of what they're doing with their mixing. And the only troubles we've ever seen um, with DMSO were people who did really weird mixes like that or were on really severe levels or high levels of, of uh, like psychotropic drugs um, and wouldn't stop taking DMSO. I don't know, so I guess not well mentally and kept taking DMSO and killed herself that way. But that's like an extreme case. And it's the only case we've ever found that anybody ever hurt themselves with it. Like, permanently. So, so it's very safe. In your book, there are uh, just, I don't know, probably dozens of different remedies and preparations and, and you make some of these preparations, which is helpful. Um, I've been someone who has a hard time reading instructions. You know, I'm looking because I'm like, oh, I have this thing or that thing. I'm going to try it. And then I read some of it and it's like, it's it's very detailed in terms of like okay this many milliliters of DMSO to this much water and and this and that um, it seems like you were very mindful with this book in terms of 
detailing the protocols and not just being like, ah, take all you want and put it all over. I mean, they're it's very intentional. Where where were these uh, different protocols uh, derived from? Is this like personal experience or through the history of use of other people that have been using it therapeutically uh, or what? Where where did the the different treatments kind of come from, I guess, is my question. Um, most of them I just made up <laughs> um, on trial and error and just knowing medicine. And when you're someone who actually manufactures medicine, like you understand how to mix things, how to do the alchemy of things, then after a long period of time, you just you just know it's like being a chef, right? Like you you know all your ingredients, you know how they cook, you know the chemistry. I, my whole background is chemistry. I know how they're going to mix. I know how they're going to last. I know they're going to stay. I know they're, how they're going to degrade. So so I think I sometimes take that for granted that I have that, you know, and um, it's just yeah. part of me, right? So I just don't even question it. So I just go, oh, yeah, that here's your doses. And then I'll go look up a study where they maybe did something, right? Like um, they used a certain type of percentage for scleroderma as an example, right? Okay. And I'll look at another study that uses this percentage. And then, so from that research, I'll come to a conclusion that this is the correct, you know, amount to use or percentage to use. And then I just would make the product myself, test it on myself. Um, I did for quite a while before that book came out. And then that's where the recipes basically came from. Uh, I think there was just one that I found from another site, uh, the clove, the clove uh, for pain. Uh, so DMSO is an analgesic, a true analgesic. Uh, so it does dull nerve pain, and and so does clove. Clove is an analgesic, and that was I found off some website where um, she had just crushed a bunch of cloves and put it with DMSO as like a, a tincture kind of extract and applied it to pain on in the mouth. And it was quite strong and still was fine in the mouth. Uh, I think because the saliva starts to dilute it um, nicely. So that was pretty much the only one that I kind of adapted from someone else. And now I actually make that one because I realize, like, I know people, they, they can make it and I, but they sometimes won't, right? Like, yeah. or it's just easier for them to buy it. So then I was totally. like, oh, I should just make it anyway for to be available. Well, that's me. And I'm going to be ordering some stuff off your site because like I said, I read the book and I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. I'm going to do that. And then I just get busy and then I'm, and I'm also probably not great at chemistry. So I just rather buy it. I mean, I have, like I said, the few uses of DMSO that just are easy topically. But if I wanted to work on, like I just I'm in the middle of a bunch of dental work and my teeth are super sensitive to cold. And so I was like, oh, I bet it would be helpful for that but I probably won't get around to actually making the proper tincture myself be much easier to get it from you. And the thing I was wondering too, like, I mean, I know you, you know, you do other things for um, your business and whatnot, but since DMSO is like so cheap in, I'm assuming in bulk, it's probably exponentially cheaper than even buying it in small amounts on Amazon. I mean, is it like a viable product line because people can get it so much cheaper. It's not like a exotic, you know, uh, metabolite or synthetic or something like that. That's actually hard to come by or hard to make. What What's it look like creating products with DMSO? Well, I mean, I don't know about, you know, the sources that I have, like my wholesaler, I think one gallon is around $400. So, I mean, it's not that cheap. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause I'm not buying yeah. it by the gallon. So it seems cheap yeah. to me, I guess. So one, one gallon's about, you know, 
around the $400 mark. So okay. yeah, it's, but it's still affordable. I mean, you're buying yeah. like what, 500 mils, maybe it'll last you for a year or two years, even um, for a family. So, I mean, you're, you're using it on bumps and bruises and, and uh, cuts once the bleeding stopped and all kinds of muscle pains or sprains, ankle rolls, like <laughs> there's, it's very important to have some, at least in your medicine cabinet. Um, it can stop a heart attack or stroke. So that alone is like a major first aid remedy right there. Like I know cayenne pepper can stop a heart right. attack or stroke as well, but the two, the two together is just amazingly powerful. So that alone, like rubbing it over the area, you know, if there's a heart attack happening at the time, you rub it, you know, on the chest, on the throat area, wherever you can get it on the person. If they're conscious, try to get them to drink some as you're taking them to emergency, that sort of thing. Because And they should have it in eMERGE, but they don't really anymore. I think they had it a little bit in the UK for a while. They have their own version. It's a synthetic version, of course. They can't, they just, it's right. like they reject nature. It's like, ew, it's natural. Ew. You know, we have to make, now that one is expensive. That's called Rimzo 50. And it is like $2,000 for like a little tiny amount. Like it's, it's insanity. And that's the one they use in all the studies and labs. And uh, like they use their kind. And uh, so their, their costs are higher because of using their kind uh, it's just everything they do, I find very warped and, and weird, but whatever, each to their own, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. you can get it from the trees, you know. It's right, just right. Great. Yeah, that's the um, dominionistic relationship that many humans have with nature, right? Is that we have to control and domineer our way through like a bull in a china shop. And it's like, uh, it's pretty good like it is already, you know. But the, of course, there's profit motives and things like that. Um, so I think it must have been as a long time ago, probably five or six years ago, I bought uh, these rollers, like 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 a liquid deodorant roller kind of thing, a little bottle of 99.9 whatever percent pure DMSO. It looked look legit. So I just bought it in bulk and I still have probably like eight of them. I bought a massive box because I, it's like a first aid item, you know, and it's just like something I want to have around. And I, I like to buy in bulk because it's just annoying to run out of things and have to use up mental space to remember to go buy it again. Uh, but in terms of the purity and sourcing, is there a lot of shitty DMSO on the market? If somebody just goes on Amazon, it's like, oh, DMSO, great. I mean, um, I know you mentioned in the book, it needs to be stored in certain types of glass or plastic, et cetera, because of its solvent effect. So what about purity and sourcing? Yeah, there are lower grades. They usually won't say 99.995. So that's your cleanest. If it says 99.99, then it's a little bit of a lesser grade. But I mean, it's still really useful and good. And I've not seen any negative effects from that grade change. Uh, really what you'd be exposing yourself to uh, are just some of probably the white liquor aspects, um, which are like sodium compounds. But again, like really super minor. Um, they use that type on pets, horses. Um, so the vets usually carry like the lower um, grade stuff. So you usually can get it a little cheaper that way. You can order it, you know, from different countries. And they'll have different price points, and but also different purity points. 
that I would be a little more suspicious of, especially you don't know where they've been storing it long-term. So I would never store DMSO long-term in like a, any type of non-PET plastic or having in con- kind of contact with those um, softer plastics. They'll, they'll dissolve because this is a solvent. It'll dissolve so many things like you can't even put a glove on and then rub it on because it'll dissolve the glove right in front of you. Um, but the hard plastics, it is completely inert or the PET, PETE plastics. There's not one ounce of reactivity with it, which is fantastic because once I make my blends, sometimes they go in like some of the bigger containers and you just can't get them in glass. They're just impractical in glass. A lot of those huge, like eight ounce sizes and stuff. Yeah. So then we we use the uh, the PETE that's recyclable. So um, just watch out for the soft plastics. You never want to put saran wrap anywhere near it. It'll literally just it'll if you can test it, it'll just go right in. <laughs> really, that's crazy. What yeah. are some of the applications for our furry friends, for our cats and dogs and and whatnot? You mentioned vets using it with horses and things like that. Um, and I haven't gotten to that part of the book yet, but I kind of bookmarked it for the next time our dog has an allergy attack or fleas or whatever. Um, what are some hacks that we could use DMSO for with our pets? Well, especially for elderly pets, it's really something you can do every three or four days. You can apply you know, depending on the size of the animal. So it's always, it's always a size factor, right? Um, so, you know, if it's like a, my cat, like I have my older cat, right? He's 14. He has a, an old injury from a fisher that tried to take him into the woods. <laughs> and so he, he looks like a homie G when he walks a little bit, right? But so sometimes I can see it's really bothering him. And I put like a 30% DMSO gel that I make. It's my sunburn after sun gel. And I'll just, he'll lay on his back and I'll just massage him into his back legs and over his belly and it'll get in the fur and whatever. It's fine, but I'll massage it through and he'll, he'll love it. And then for like two or three days, he's acting like a rock star and going out and trying to like play with mice and stuff again. So it's really night and day, really see the difference in his pain levels. And I wouldn't, you can try to put it in dog food. Dogs tend to not be as bothered by, by it in food, but cats tend to be like, no, I'm not into that. Um, So, but all, all types of uh, animal issues or just longevity issues. You can use it just pro- prophylactically to prevent problems. And even things like heartworm or these kinds of things, the only time you ever get fleas, heartworms, ticks, whatever, is because they're missing a nutrient, there's some sort of deficiency or there's some sort of toxin, right? Even energetically, if they're toxic energetically, they'll attract fleas, they'll attract these things. So there's, we haven't even really opened the box on how do we, this all, how does this place really work? And how do our interactions with each other really work? And I would say there's they're more energetic than anything else. And there's triggers that happen that can trigger us into an expression. There's tribal or family kind of lineages that will trigger us. So like whole families will get sick at the same time, this sort of thing. So, you know, people, we don't even really have a grasp on these sorts of things like fleas and ticks and why these things happen. But one thing I've learned is that it's really, you're really working on the terrain. And you're really trying to help the body work its best, be have its best life. <laughs> and DMSO can just assist the tissues to recover faster. 
so they the animal is healthier and lives longer and of course same thing with the shots you never want to do that to your pets um you know i've had animals live what people are in shock when i tell them how long my animals live for because they they can't fathom it because we've been damaging them for so long with the shots that we don't even really know their capability anymore um yeah. so i just uh, i have all all natural everything and you can see the difference it's very obvious but dmso is just a bonus for them um so dogs you know rub it on their ears rub it on their the back of their tail an area where if you can make sure it's cleaner or if you want to apply it to paws or you want to apply it to belly just try to wash everything first because it does carry in you know the unwanted things too and you don't want that um and uh and just start slow and work up to dose you can't be allergic to sulfur because it's literally in every cell of your body. So you, you just can't, you can't, people think, Oh, what if I'm allergic? And I have a whole chapter on that in the book. Um, you can be allergic to sulfates. You can be allergic to sulfites. Uh, you can be allergic to sulfa drugs, but you can't be allergic to sulfur, the element. Um, and that, so if people are afraid of like allergies or this sort of thing, the only thing happening if you get an allergy like or hives, it's just the body is working its systems to cleanse quickly and to move things fast. Um, so if you put on really strong, like if you put on meat, which is like the without dilution, you might get hot, see hives or a thickening of the skin, that sort of thing. But it's temporary, something to be alarmed about. Um, very few people will go into any kind of anaphylactic situation. Um, they would already know that they're anaphylactic people. Anyway, they would already know they have all kinds of allergies. Because the DMSO might stir up things in their bodies. They're reacting to that, but it's not the DMSO itself. To combat stress, improve my sleep, and have better focus, I've been using this thing called the Apollo Wearable for the past few years. In fact, I'll let you in a little secret here. I wear it often while recording podcasts, and uh, you listeners and my guests don't even know I'm using it. It can be worn on the wrist, ankle, or as a clip attached to your clothing. I have it on right now to help me focus on these recordings. Through soothing, gentle waves of vibration, the Apollo helps your body relax and reduces the feelings of stress. When I'm wearing it, it's actually silent and can barely be felt on the body. Plus, it has airplane mode, so it won't blast you with Bluetooth radiation while you use it, which is a feature I really appreciate when it comes to tech like this. So I like to run the Apollo Neuro app to effortlessly transition through my day and night with modes to help me relax, fall asleep, focus, recover, and stay calm and present. Basically, it's like a workout for your nervous system, and consistency is the key. So the more you use it, the better it works, which is probably why it works so well for me. I've been at it for quite a while. The Apollo strengthens and rebalances your autonomic nervous system, so your heart rate variability, or HRV, improves, which means you're building resilience to stress the more you use it. If you want to grab one, here's what you do. Use the code LUKESTORY15 at apolloneuro.com to get 15% off. And while you're on their site, make sure to check out the Science tab to see all the past and ongoing clinical trials. This tech is legit, and they definitely have the science to prove it. So again, go to apolloneuro.com and use the code LUKE15. Got it. With, with, uh, with the application for pets, you mentioned that you use your um, 
sun repair gel that's diluted by 30% or whatever it was, would it be advisable to do some level of dilution before applying it topically to a pet? Yeah. Like say, say my dog has hot spots. I'm not just going to take my 99% roller on t- directly onto the hot spot or something. They would be fine probably if you did that. Um, but there, I have a dilution chart in the book for a specific reason because there's different dilutions for different benefits. Like the 30% level is the most anti-inflammatory um, uh, percentage. That's the one that you can use in your eyes. You can use, you know, um, internally in any way and for anything inflamed. And then when you go higher, you're getting different actions because there's less water in it. Um, And so like for tendons and things, you also want more water content because there's not a lot of water content in the tendons themselves. And you want the DMSO to get there fluidly. And then late, you know, the higher percentages are for more intense issues. So there's a whole range of uses. Ultimately, you start low always. You don't want to shock any animal if that's the first time use. But if it's an emergency um, and say they're having a seizure, you know, and you, your mind's maybe not good, you know, you're freaking out. What do I do? You just want to take some DMSO and just try to rub it on their neck or, you know, on their body. It's not going to kill them. It's not, it's not going to hurt them at that concentration. It's just if you keep using it too strong, it does, the skin reacts to this barrier breach uh, without enough water and we'll, we'll get that redness and, um, and can thicken over time and get like a leather-like sort of quality to it. But as soon as you stop the DMSO, the skin will go back to normal. And that's the one thing I found really incredible about this. It's just, despite what you think it's doing, in its alterations, it always returns to normal. And it's like, uh, and, and it's just so wise the way that it moves through. So, you know, as you learn and feel more comfortable with it, you'll see its limitations. Just like with anything new, you're not sure. There's a little bit of fear, apprehension with some of these things, totally understandable. So that's why I wrote the book. So you feel confident, comfortable. You just start with lower doses and then um, you'll be in a situation where you trust and you know that you can use it on a stronger level and, and it's okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, with the the flea thing and pets, um, it's never really been an issue for me so much in California, but in Texas during the summer, the fleas are next level. And so we've tried, you know, all the natural sprays and natural flea shampoos and all the things and for the past two years, there have reached to a point in during each year where we're just like, we have to give her the flea medication. And it just, I don't want to use the term, it kills me because I don't like to say that, but it's extremely difficult for me to poison my dog so that we don't get a house full of fleas and show she's not tortured by them. Uh, so like, you know, an oral medication or the drop on the back of the neck that gets in the bloodstream. And just intuitively, that sounds like a horrific thing to do because you're poisoning the blood of an animal that you love, but it's just like, I don't know, it's a couple of times just been the lesser of two evils. So I'm wondering if, um, do you have any um, anecdotal uh, record of someone giving uh, a dog, for example, an internal, like an oral low dose and having it act kind of in the same way where it repels fleas or, you know, stops the reactivity of the fleas or prevents them from reproducing and laying eggs on the skin or anything like that? It's usually a combo approach. Definitely, they do not like the the DMSO. 
so I would do probably a 30 to 40% internal protocol where you can mix it up and then give it orally. Um, so by mouth uh, with some food or something like that to the animal. You can inject it. it um, I don't go in too much into injectables, but there, um, again, 50% is your maximum, but usually you do really low doses of injection. Um, you could try uh, urine therapy. <laughs> so you could use their own urine or even um, the same sex. So say if it's a male dog, then use you know your urine, not a female's urine, um, just to not throw off the hormones. But uh, you could even put urine on them. And is it also as a natural repellent? Um, really? Yep. You can wow. you can put it on your if you have to go out into the bush, you just pee all over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Rock on, you know. Um, but it's an it's an old not it's an old remedy for all kinds that's of ailments. Funny. So. You know, that's hilarious you mentioned that because um our dog cookie, I, I love to pee in the yard. It's just like, you know, it's my first home I've ever owned. And it's one of my favorite things, just walk out in the backyard and take a leak. Um, but our dog Cookie likes to cover my markings in the yard. So I was like, if I go out there and pee, she will know and she will come over and inevitably she will inadvertently try to walk through the stream, you know, because she's trying to get to the spot to leave her own mark. And I'm always like trying to prevent myself from peeing on the dog. But uh, that's that's an interesting take that maybe there might be something to just letting her have her way. That she knows, let her... The problem is when it degrades into ammonia, you know, we don't like the smell. So yeah. you might want to do something else to help their scent. Like, I don't know if you tried diatomaceous earth as one of the natural remedies yet, but that's usually what I use a lot up here for my pets. I put it in the food and you on put it in their and, food and sprinkle it on them. Oh, wow. Cool. I'll try that. I'll try that. I know that's what we were using to clean the pool. Because <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure it's a different different, different grade of that. Yeah, yeah. I've I've taken it during some parasite cleanses and stuff, the the DE. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Thank you for that. Uh, what about um, something that I, I just skimmed over in the book was uh, DMSO IVs. How prevalent is the intravenous um, application in the natural health circles around the world? It's it's pretty much known, I would say. I mean, if I'm I'm trained in IV therapy, and I'm I can crack open my book, and there's a DMSO glutathione recipe, I think, in there. So it's 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 known, but it's it's not celebrated, I guess. You know, it's like just one of those things in the like, yeah, it's a thing that we use for you know pain or injury or whatever or cancer like that but it's not like fanfare like it should be like it deserves to be you know like right. MSO guys like come on like look at the power of this thing um but it's if you go to a naturopath who who does IV a good percentage of them will probably at least know about it they might not have used it before or been asked um but it's it's often blended and it's used a lot in you know obviously serious ailments um they're like DMSO with you know, blended with other things um, because also it helps the rest of the body absorb the nutrition and you're bypassing the enteric system. Um, so you can really get some rapid results when you, when you do it through, through IV. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see. I've got a few other questions for you here. I want to make sure that I don't miss anything. And then we, conclude the call and i'm like oh i forgot that thing 
Oh, sinuses. You talk about uh, doing sinus flushes. And I know, I mean, just our air is so full of God knows what. And uh, people are reporting to me all the time that they're having sinus issues. And it's something I'm not so much, I, I think I've healed a lot of my sinus stuff. But in the past, I had a lot of sinus infections and things. So what about doing neti pot, nasal rinse, et cetera? Oh, yeah. Um, it's really important, the sinuses, because these are caverns that help us cleanse. All of these roots that have an exit, they're very important to us. Not only are we accumulating waste from pollution things and the, the mucus has to continually cleanse it out, um, but it's about the way we breathe through our nose <laughs> because we're not supposed to be mouth breathing at all. We're supposed to be nose breathing constantly. It's when we sleep, when we work out, when we are just sitting, watching something, whatever, close your mouth. <laughs> You're supposed to be breathing through your nose. Um, and again, the medical cartel has done a huge disservice to us by removing our HEPA filters from our bodies, which are our tonsils and our adenoids. And so many of us have been damaged like this. And it's just sometimes I get so angry at what's been done, you know, like how dare they continue to do that. And to this day, they just keep recommending these barbaric surgeries that are completely unnecessary, misunderstanding the purpose of the glands themselves, and then causing all these more accumulations inside the body where the filter should have caught it. The filter should have dealt with it and purged it. And then once those are removed, you can get all kinds of other inflammatory problems inside the sinuses to lead to teeth issues, eye issues. Um, you can create polyps in the, the nose area and the turbinates. And your life now is different. You're not able to nose breathe. You're not able to sleep the way you need to. You're going to have sleep apnea and other problems. Um, and I know they're like, oh, well, the adenoids were big and they were giving me sleep apnea. Well, they shouldn't be that big in the first place. And they're probably that big because they got vaccines and that created the damage to the tissue in the first place. So it's the same problem reaction solution as they continue to do. They make the problem. Then they say, oh, how did that happen? Oh, weird. Don't worry. We've got we've got it for you. We'll <laughs> fix it, right? This is their oh, scam. God. This yeah. is their scam. Yeah. So you just don't meddle with it. You don't meddle with nature. You don't meddle with God. You just un understand this is perfect. It's a perfect system. You don't need to take anything out. You don't need to cut anything off. It's all there perfectly, and it all has a purpose. <laughs> Nothing is just this evolutionary falsity that somehow we evolved from monkeys and that came out of the ocean that then, <laughs> what a joke that people oh believe God. that evolution is real is just, just what? Just think it through. Let's go all the way through your logical conclusions. There are no logical conclusions. So it's not real, right? People don't think things through yeah. from start to finish. They don't play with the mind exercises in logic. They need to do that so they can have clarity. So the, well, the science, you know, Amanda, it's so much more work, right? If yeah. you if you go to school and they show you the drawing of the ape and all of the different iterations of of the human, and then you're at the end of that, it's just much less work for the mind to go. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll take that story. It takes a little more work to go. Well, where are the five or six iterations of the humanoid? Because we still have apes and we still have humans, so the rest of them in the middle are all gone. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, oh, don't get me started. But yeah, I, I, I agree 
you know, a critical thought is um, is not only helpful but necessary if you want to make your way through this world without, especially without having, you know, someone ill-informed or ill-willed cut parts of your body out rather than educating you on how to get them to be functional again. Um, back to the sinus stuff, and, and it, it's in the book, but what are um, what are some of the like types of sinus issues that one could work on with DMSO specifically, doing rinses and whatnot? Well, if, you know, the, the famous sinus infection, so-called sinus okay. infection, right? You see this a lot in smokers and, you know, people who are really um, challenging their sinuses constantly. And uh, you never want to ever use antibiotics for these things. Um, they'll always return with a vengeance. So that would be a good practical application for any type of sinus, um, so-called infection or pain in the sinus. Um, using a neti pot, of course, not a plastic one. Get like a nice one that's ceramic. And uh, proper dilution. You're still making your saline solution because you do want it to be non-burning. And you're not putting that much in it so that it's really going to hurt the, the tissues. So, you know, you will feel it like it will burn a little. Like same thing, I make eye drops um, in saline. I make it 20% with vitamin C, 20% just plain, and then 40% same, same thing. And they'll, I call them liquid fire because they will burn the crap. And like your initial reaction is wow. But then comes this relief and and this cleansing of the eye. So you can use it the same way in the ears. So you can use the eye solution also in the ears. Um, and you can, I've, I've had, um, I have a sinus condition because one of my teeth that they pulled incorrectly, uh, and then I had to go get it debrided because it was causing cavitations. And then that dentist was also a hack and punctured my sinus with a laser. So ever since that puncture, I get sinus triggered migraines from it. So it begins in the sinus, it goes up to the temple, goes across the head, goes down the neck, goes down my body, and then brings me a lot of um, nausea as well. And my metabolism is affected. I can feel it in my heart. I can, I can feel it when I move, you know? So that whole inflammatory cycle is a well-worn path in my body. So what I'll do sometimes is just take a drop or two of the DMSO eye drops and I'll put it in my anatomical snuff box. That's right. I have a really nice anatomical snuff box here. That is nice. Hey, thank you. And I will put the drops in and I'll just snort them basically just like that and wow. just let it go in and I'll have like a moment of blinking and I'll probably blow my nose about a minute or two later and there's some relief. And I'll keep doing that until I reach that threshold where I feel more comfortable, comfortable. Um, so you can even just, oh. just snort it if you want to. Do you, do you, that, that's probably my style. I used to snort things back in, back in my, uh, wild youth. I'm pretty good at it. I think still, um, what about, uh, biofilms? You know, if, if you're having pockets of funk and infection and your sinuses are elsewhere, uh, is DMO, DMSO been documented to help break up biofilms? Well, yeah, like the biofilm is only going to be manufactured because the terrain is incorrect, right? You can't, you, they can't live in a healthy terrain. So that already tells you there's diseased tissue. They're setting up a house, okay? Because they're like, whoa, you know what? Construction crew, we're going to be here a while. 
there's like so much going on here and they keep trying to kill us, which is stupid because we're actually doing a job for them. So we're going to make a biofilm so we can stay longer because these idiots keep trying to kill us with antibiotics and stuff. So now we're going to make it harder for them to kill us so that we can help them. And so the goal is not really to even wor- worry about it so much is to get to the next level. Why? Like what's going on with my tissue that this has happened and then work to use things like DMSO, MSM to strengthen the tissues, find out where the missing nutrients are and supply them, especially tissue salts, which is really under noticed like DMSO and essential. They are essential nutrients and most people are deficient in these essential 12 salts. Um, and, and then do some enemas or things that will help your liver upregulate and work better and fix your hormones and these sorts of things, then that, that's not, that doesn't last. Like it won't, those biofilms will naturally be dissolved by the body because their purpose is now not needed. They don't, aren't required. Um, now if you have someone who's very, very sick, okay, they've got biofilms, they've got all these microinfections all over the place. They're just full of parasites, whatever. Their terrain is really in a bad state. I totally understand the need to just get some relief and get, you know, clean that out and chase them out and that sort of stuff. It's totally fine. And DMSO definitely can be part of that um, without real suppression. So it'll strengthen the tissues. It'll get rid of heavy metals, all kinds of metals uh, from the body, which might be the cause of why that's happening. That's a really big cause of most of these problems are the metals and the microplastics um, and the xenoestrogens. Those, those are kind of like the top ones that, and I include glyphosate and that kind of stuff in the xenoestrogen camp. Yeah. yeah. So, so just let me uh, interject there. Did you say that the DMSO can assist the body in um, removing heavy metals? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow, yeah, cool. like, um, I think they've shown like the sulfur itself, sulfur itself binds with mercury, lead, aluminum, cadmium, arsenic, and nickel. And then it'll come out through defecation. Holy shit. No pun intended. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. I don't know if it was in your book. Like I said, like I'm I kind of like use your book, like, oh, what's the thing I want to work on? So then I go read that particular part, um, which is, you know, how I got to the sinuses and some other things. Have you um heard any reports of people you know you were talking about how you can use the drops in your ears uh, any positive impact on uh tinnitus or as some say tinnitus yeah yeah some um dmso and tinnitus if it's mechanical yes um if it's um if it's cochlear or if it's like deeper into the inner ear or it's brain because <laughs> it can be um coming from the signal right so where cool. along the signal is the problem like where is it coming from is it from like outside damage or is it from inside damage so I, I really found cold laser was incredible for tinnitus um i have the spooky two system um and they have a cold laser adaptation which is like little looks like little earplugs you can plug them in your ears and the red light goes in. You can do it in your nose as well. And you can actually heal your sinuses through doing that too. So um, yeah, I found the laser to be really, really one of the top ways to deal with tinnitus. Cool, um, cool. And I would probably do a combo or rubbing DMSO on the back of the ears, um, doing the drops, doing that. So like what you're trying to do is tell the body, hey, we're on to this now. 
can we heal this now? I'm going to give you some, some direction. Will you take it and run with it? You know, so you could even do homeopathic that's specific, say you get um, a lot of uh, wax buildup or you're getting uh, and you're sensitive to wind or something. So you, you'll look up different um, rubrics or symptoms that you have and you can match the homeopathic to what you're feeling. Um, so, you know, add that in as well. And then you're really directing the life force toward the ear and saying, I know you're working on the liver right now. Sorry, buddy. Or you know, I know you're yeah. working on digestion right now, but let's go here, you know? And that's why you don't want to throw too many things in your body all the time because you have one life force and it's the life force that decides when it's going to heal a particular area. And so if you're working with natural medicine, your goal is to try to hone that in the direction where you're not going against the grain of what the body would naturally want to do anyway. You're just trying to gently urge it to and help it for something that it can do on its own and would do if everything else was fine, just get that done now. So it's like prioritizing or reorganizing the priorities of the body. So you don't want to go, okay, now do liver. Okay, now do that. Now do this, right? Um, you want to try to figure out what organ system you're working on and focus on it. Then you get a lot of success. That's that's great advice for me. And I'm I'm assuming a, a number of people listening because I just I go so hard with this stuff. I think sometimes I'm probably counterproductive because I just, you know, I learned so much from people like you. So I'm like, oh, cool. All right, starting today, I'm going full DMSO and working on my sinuses or whatever. And then the next day I learned something else and it's for the liver or whatever. And I just kind of, you know, do a, a shotgun approach rather than a sniper approach. So I think that's good advice. I'm going to definitely take note of that. Yo, are you living with a chronic health condition that affects your metabolism? Or perhaps you're just looking to optimize your daily performance. Well, if so, you're going to want to know about the NutriSense program. NutriSense brings together cutting-edge technology and human expertise that lets you see how your glucose levels respond to food, exercise, stress, and sleep all in real time. Knowing what's happening with my blood sugar 24-7 helps me see what behaviors are helping or hurting my health and performance. Here are the three keys to the NutriSense program. Number one, you get a wearable biosensor that's easy and painless to apply. I've got one on my arm right now, in fact, and I'm probably going to scan it when I'm done recording uh, these promos because I want to see what happened after I ate lunch. Number two, you get access to the NutriSense app. I use the app to scan this biosensor on my arm, visualize real-time data, log meals, and to run experiments. And man, I was shocked to find out how much a little ice cream skyrocketed my glucose levels, and knowing that information helps me to avoid it much easier. And number three, and this third part is crucial to your success, NutriSense gives you access to a personal dietitian who's dedicating to helping you achieve your unique wellness goals. So based on the data from the biosensor, you'll get personalized recommendations on meals, calorie intake, and macronutrients, and unlimited in-app access to your personal dietitian. If you want to take your health to the next level, you definitely want to head over to NutriSense.io Luke. And if you use the promo code Luke, you'll get 30 bucks off your subscription plus one month free of dietitian support. That's NutriSense.io Luke to get started on your personal optimization journey today. Well, man, I think as far as the DMSO stuff goes, we've covered a lot here. 
there's a couple more things I want to talk about with you. And uh, again, I'll remind people the show notes for everything we're talking about are located at lukestory.com slash DMSO. Um, and we'll put a link to your store and you know the products that you have and stuff like that. Because I think it's a lot easier if you're... I would use DMSO much more effectively and frequently if I just had some formula that were already made. Because I'm going to... The likelihood of me reading the book and going, okay, let me measure the amount of milliliters. And I mean, I'm just not going to do it. You know, I'm just too lazy or busy or whatever, maybe a combination of both. So I, I like that. And we're going to put that in there. Um, something else that you mentioned earlier in regard to the dog's fleas is uh, the application of urine. And many years ago, man, this is probably 20 years ago or so, I got this book. I think it was called Nature's Own Medicine, I think. And it was nature's about uh, urine autotherapy. What did nature's perfect medicine? Is that what it's called? Martha Christie's book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I was like, Hey, I'm into this stuff. I'd try everything. And I was, I was pretty sick at that point. So I started kind of microdosing my own urine uh, and found that there's a history of this. It's not just some wacky new age thing that came out in the nineties or whatever. Um, but then I, you know, I kind of did it for a thing and got onto the next thing and just forgot about it. Uh, and I don't hear it mentioned that much, but what's your perspective? Well, I guess first describe what it is for people that are like, this sounds insane. And then give me your take on it. And if you have any experience with clients or yourself that have proven it to be useful. Yeah, sorry. So the title is Your Own Perfect Medicine. Your Own Perfect Medicine. Thank you. Yeah. And and she and she's right because it's it's your own homeopathic, perfectly designed remedy for you. And it can be used for others, but it's really meant for you. And it's your, your urine isn't waste. I have a lot of uh, videos on this topic on my website, yummy.doctor. Oh, cool. People are, are curious about it. Um, I've been doing urine therapy for a long time. Really? And, oh, yeah. Cool. Um, it's anti-aging. It gets rid of wrinkles. It, you can put it in every orifice. You can do enemas. You can put it in your eyes. You can drink it. You can put it in your ears. You can, sn- if you want to snort some more stuff, just <laughs> some urine snorting. Oh it's actually, it gives you a real high. The urine really? snorting. Oh yeah. Way wow. better than the other stuff. <laughs> I know what I'm putting in my neti pot tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I think the the misconception I think people have about it, because anytime I've mentioned this, I've talked about it on the show before, um, people are like, ew, gross, germs, you know, it's like, I, people think urine is like liquid feces, like they don't understand that it's, um, that it's sterile, right? It's, it's not, I mean, I think maybe the smell of like a dried urine, if you walk by an alley and you smell urine, that ammonia smell, people yeah. associate it with that, but subjectively in my experience it wasn't really a big deal other than just mentally because of the programming and conditioning and thinking that it's a waste product and that it's full of you know germs or or something like that so what's what's the historical relevance of it and maybe explain to people why it's not as gross as it sounds oh it's ancient it goes way it's one of the first remedies ever it's as old as the hills so i mean um yeah it, it's actually back when they used to believe it was the key to immortality that if you imbibed your your if you looped and you continued to imbibe your full uh day's urine you would reach uh immortality so it's an elixir of youth it's an elixir of healing for the body it's structured water you structure it by your own cistern and it even says in the bible to drink from your own cistern and that this is a gift from god 
that you are able to have remedy inside of yourself. And so if you get stung by a bee, for example, within 20 seconds of your biter sting, you will have the antidote in your urine. Say you have an anaphylactic reaction to something, you will have the antidote within 20 seconds inside your urine. And you can drink some of that immediately and you can apply it topically and you will alleviate your system. Your your Whoa. Yeah. So the sting will go away. You won't have any sort of swelling. Um, I've tested this lots of times and it works every single time. So um, it's very powerful. And like, say you cooked a steak, right? Beautiful. Mm, So good. It was a great steak. Oh, yeah. But then somebody took the steak and threw it in the alley and it rotted there for like, I don't know, a week. You'd probably walk by that and go, ew, that's gross. Ew, that's gross. Ew, that's gross. So it's the same idea. Like old pee is gross. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes. But say you took that steak and then you you fermented it. You fermented it and, and it began to like become its own, you know, medicine, even more concentrated. You wouldn't be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. You'd be like, oh, that's interesting. How, what, what do I eat that for? What kind of beef is this now, right? It wasn't thrown in the alley. It was, so you can do this with aged urine. You can take your urine. I have urine that's five years old right now. Really? And it's my emergency urine. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost black. It's incredible. Whoa. Um, it's stem cells. It's basically full-on stem cells. That's what I've grown. I'm growing in my own house, in my lab my stem cells from my own urine because they contain it. And that's why it's an elixir of youth because it you're bring, giving back your own stem cells to deep, to differentiate into things that your body is calling for. So it's, I know there's an ick factor and Hey, yeah. when I first started, I had to get over the ick factor too. It's just normal. We're programmed. Okay. I think that the thing is we have to separate ourselves out from the reaction and I teach about developing the second attention where you're your own witness of yourself. It's not judgy. You're not judging. You're just watching. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Amanda's reacting. Oh, I wonder why she's, re-, you know, like this. So you're, you're the neutral observer. So just observe how you feel, you know, rather than go through the whole reaction. It's like, oh, yes, I see my, my, see my conditioning. Yeah. I see that I was told it was waste. I see that I was told it he was told it's Satan drinks its own whatever you know it was told by my pastor so whatever the story is that's the story but it's not true it's just you're reacting to what you thought you knew that's it and then like anything you've come across that you never knew before you go through these these doorways you know you you learn that it's safer it's okay it wasn't what you thought it was okay to be wrong it's okay to make, make mistakes because that's how we grow it's okay. I was lied to. It wasn't my fault. Fine. Okay. But now I'm going to take charge of my own health and I'm going to learn about this. And I'm not going to just react and throw it away because of my ego, you know, because you're missing out on something really profound. So you can wash your hair with it. People have regrown their hair. You can get rid of gray hair. If you use it on a uh, daily basis, your gray hair pretty much disappears for the most part um, wow. in a lot of people. So especially if you're really healthy, like if you're really healthy and all you got is the gray hair issue, that's just sopped up pretty quick. That's so cool, man. I'm glad we I'm glad we went into that. It was it was kind of in the periphery of my notes. And I thought, well, if we have time, we'll get to it. But I'm I'm glad that we're able to cover that because I haven't really it's been a while since it's been discussed on the show and definitely been a long time since I've done it. So I love talking about things that um inspire people to think more deeply and broadly, you know what I mean? Some of these things we talk about on the show are 
maybe shocking to people, but it's, I think it's just healthy to open your mind. It doesn't mean that you have to like go along with everything or you have to start drinking your own pee, but it's more about just, it's more about the observer, right? It's about like witnessing, oh, why do I react? Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I believe that, you know, uh, apes became people? Is there any actually evidence of that or the dinosaurs or the moon landing, all these things that we're led to believe, whether, you know, in the medical sphere or not, it's just like when you start questioning things and you, you come up against your reactions, I think it's really healthy to see where your boundaries are with your belief systems and your attachments to those beliefs. It's, it's a great, just intellectual, spiritual exercise. Absolutely. And even at the, you know, in the end of COVID, I did uh, my, my, my primary presentation is on the paradigm shift. So a scientific paradigm shift is what we're in the middle of. And with these, with the shift, what has to happen. So we've been operating in like normal science, normal science is the general accepted paradigm. So we can actually do the work. So we can work on what we think is true and accumulate data and see if we can get to technologies or get to answers or solutions, right? And then uh, after a while, you get too many, just no, that doesn't hold water, that doesn't hold water, that doesn't hold, they build up. And that's the beginning of the shift where we now have to reconfigure um, and look at the original baseline belief systems of the original science that we formed our base from that we created the normal science out of and go back to the basics again and say, okay, we assumed (laughs) these things to be true so we could work with normal science. But unfortunately, these have changed now. And now we have to reinvestigate what we thought was true. And that's why we're looking at germ theory now. That's why we're looking at all the things we thought about medicine as a whole, uh, the way the body has been identified and characterized you know all those things are now under scrutiny because we're finding way too many uh elephants in the room and also we're not progressing to a place of homeostasis we're actually getting worse more chronic illness more uh, the higher death rate you know all of these uh problems so the whole point of science is ultimately to know but also to solve problems right and we're, we're making more more problems. So we better go back to the blueprint and see where we went wrong. And uh, and it's it's exciting that we're doing it. But that means you have to question what you think you've known your whole life. And, and for some, I know, I know for some, they will take the lie to their grave. I know, I know that that's how it happens. It's always a gradual process. The younger generations are more open-minded. They um, are able to hold some multiple theories at the same time in their heads, this sort of thing. So, you know, it's with the generational changeover that all these things happen. And so our goal now is to really be in charge of that and make sure that the next generation um, is learning how to critically think and do proper science and uh, question, question authority because they've gotten it into such a rigmarole with the schools that you're really just trying to achieve um, brown nosing rather than your own individuation in the in the halls of science, right? You can't get grants or tenure or contracts if you are being different. And that's a real shame because we're losing true diversity of thought in this manner. And that means 
communism, <laughs> which is based on equality, which is a lie. There is no such thing as equality. I don't know why people are banging on about it. They don't even, again, they haven't even thought through what is equality. What does that actually mean? Well, it means if someone's a high achiever, that um, that's now you're not equal to the low achiever. So now you have to have a baseline of low achieving and bring that higher person down to the low. So that, so you see this in schools, right? Where they're just getting like gold stars all over the place by achieving nothing, you know, and they're getting rewards where it's not warranted. And this creates a lazy individual and also an unintellectual individual. And this is not equality. It's a demonization to a point where we will fade away into uh, chaos. We continue this way, right? And we're seeing that. So now we have to re recall our mistake <laughs> and, and, and it's okay that we're different and uh, we can not keep pinpointing them all, all the differences and judging the differences, just, just um, being um, comfortable with all these layers to ourselves, right? And uh, anyway, it's interesting times. That's I love it. <laughs> it's when the shift hits the fan. Shift is in the it's, fan. It's the best. I always think, I don't even know who this famous quote is from. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You know, it's like, it's so true right now, right? Because it's just such Isn't a shit Hemingway show. Or something? Hemingway, the sun also rises. Yeah, may, maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, I quote it all the time and never give credit. So I better learn one of these days. But it's just crazy. The world is is absolutely insane. Yet at the same time, I talk to people like you that make sense right? And have solutions and are moving people towards solutions. And then my faith is restored and then I keep moving forward. And then I open up Telegram tomorrow and I go, oh my God, we're screwed. You know? and, then, and then here I am back again in another inspiring conversation. And, and so it goes, you know, but, but I, I do think overall what, what you speak of, um, just sanity, right? And critical thinking and intuition and alignment with nature. I think that inside even the most programmed person there is an innate knowing of truth, right? It's like, we can't really arrive at truth often through our intellect because of the programming, but there's there's an innate intelligence to the spirit and to the body that just knows when something's right and when it's wrong. And, and the more we can become attuned to that, uh, the more I feel like we actually have a chance of moving forward and seeing a different world, you know? So I appreciate your perspective. I appreciate the work you're doing. Um, and definitely appreciate you reinvigorating my interest in DMSO. And I am uh, committed to integrating this more into my practice other than just like rubbing it on my back when my back hurts or something. So I'm super excited to uh, start to actually educate myself further on that topic. And in closing, I got one more question for you. Uh, who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life or your work that you'd like to share with us? Wow. Well, I had, you know, I had a unique, I've had unique circumstances in my life where teachers just show up at my door and kind of move in. <laughs> um, so there are, you know, a few major ones. Um, one teacher taught me about addictions um, that I didn't think I had, or collections as we call it. So I would have like, I love bags, handbags. I just like really cool purses and bags and things, vessels. I like all sorts of vessels. Um, I think I think they're practical and I like the design aspect, right? Okay, so I had a huge collection 
not that I could ever use these all in one life. Well, I had used them at least a couple times, this sort of thing, but I was collecting them. And she helped me see that my pat my own patterns, that really was a type of addiction. That it was it's not the type of addiction that's going to hurt you per se, but it's still in that realm where we do this. We are trying to fill voids inside of us, whether it's subtle or overt. We're trying to find some sort of soothing inside. And I was doing it in just subtle ways, different ways, uh, but I hadn't recognized that in my own self. And it really helped me to let go of the material, um, letting go of material items and learning about um, how cause and effect works and how abundance works. So that was re- like that was huge for me to learn that I can manifest abundance with my energy, my thoughts, uh, with where I'm at, um, that I don't need to cling to anything. And the more I cling, actually, the more I lose and the more uh, I become a hungry ghost where nothing ever satisfies and nothing ever fills. And that um, when you when you let go, when you release um, and open into the void, that's when it can be filled again, right? So it's like emptying your cup over and over again so it can be filled and filled and filled and filled. And that's why you can never really just know. You can't say, I know. I always say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I want to be empty and be filled, empty and be filled. And then that's how ironically, you know. <laughs> um, so that was the, that was from Samantha. That was from her. Um, she taught me many other things. But that was big. And then I had a gentleman we've fallen, you know, into different camps now, but um, I'm still very grateful to him for teaching me um, maritime law, admiralty law, contract law, um, all the different types of laws, natural law, ecclesiastical law, all of these things. And do like a, just come and show me and teach me and learn those methods and things. And I'm, I'm grateful for, for what I learned there because I don't think I, I would have come into the depth of knowledge that I'm at now if I hadn't started when I did, because there's a lot there. And so I feel like grounded in some of it. And you have to be really brave and courageous when you're going at these big things of society where you're, you know, challenging governments and challenging banks and all these institutions and and things. So um, I feel really strong now in that because of that layup, that setup. So whatever our karma was, you know, it went went how it was supposed to. Um, there's a, quite a few. It's hard to pick um, the next one. I have a Tibetan teacher and then Hiro Roten Manak is in there too. I would, I'll probably say um, my Tibetan teacher, he taught me a humbleness, you know, just to be, just because you're smart or just because you um, or have skills, be humble. Like you don't need to, um, show off. You don't need to have all the attention. You don't need that. Um, you have God's attention and that's it. That's, that's enough. And, um, to not, to feel satisfied with where you're at, no matter what it looks like on the outside and, um, to be a loving, giving person, but through all of it, it taught me how to be, have tough love. Like, how to say it like it is and be in integrity and and say it honestly and be honest with what you're feeling or how you're trying to express something to somebody. And if it's real and, and true, then it will resonate with them. Now, they might not appreciate it in the, in the moment all the time, 
Um, but that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to the truth and not necessarily their feelings per se. I mean, you're going to try to be gentle. It's warranted. Sometimes the gentleness approach doesn't work because it doesn't shake them enough. It doesn't rattle them enough. It doesn't unearth them from their comfort zone enough for them to go, no, or like get angry or like do something which shakes up what they think they know, right? And so a lot of these teachers and, you know, I did the of meditation and these sorts of things. A lot of these teachers help hone that in me where I'm not, I'm okay with people don't like me or judge me or whatever. It's not to say it doesn't bother me from time to time. I'm still a woman, but like, it's that it, I don't take it into my personality or I don't take it into my ego. It's not, it doesn't stay, right? It's just something you transmute and you, I really like the Haponopono approach. Like, you know, I'm sorry, like doing the tapping. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Um, I love you. Um, you know, I forgive you. Like this sort of process where you're going over and you're tapping your body and you're releasing anything you might have picked up that you're holding inside of you. Um, that's kind of micro traumas, really. And just release, release, release. I, I'm sorry. I forgive you. Um, what's the other one? There's four. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. That's one. I love you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah putting yourself into gratitude states. Right. And these types of methods. So I'd say like those are three really big, important teachers for me that, you know, highlighted that. And just goes to show you the world will be your teacher. and the world will be your parent, you know, the, the world will show you. And you you don't have to feel like you missed out, like, oh, I missed out on this experience. That's me. It can come in the most incredible ways and you, you can't even imagine it. That's why you want to let go. You know, you want to let go the let go, let God thing, right? When I let go, I surrender constantly. Yeah. And I surrender my will to the divine. I surrender my will, will to the divine because I don't, I don't want I don't want that responsibility. That's that's ridiculous. That's not my job. My job is to be clear, to be to be clean and clear and pure, and to allow right in that way. And then I'm safe and I'm protected naturally. So everyone's like safety, safety, safety. All the rhetoric, safety, safety. We're going to keep you safe, safety, safety, safety such a joke it's just a reflection of the fact that people they don't feel safe inside themselves because they are disconnected right and so they're clinging to the parent the false parent the false safety this idea that they have to be safe inside their little homes and then everything's going to be okay somehow and then you're not living that's not life you know everyone's going to die i'm sorry it's just but death is just a transformation and and there's nothing to fear, right? It's just change like anything else. And so the more comfortable you are with all flowing with that change, the more incredible and enriched your life is. And also the more incredible your, your death experiences too, because you get what's happening. You understand it. You know, this is, this isn't the end of anything. I think a lot of people, they don't have that spiritual barometer. So they cling, like I was clinging to my purses, you know, cling to all the things because that's their identity, right? And they're trying to understand their identity. And so they get warped ideas of what is identity. <laughs> and, and then you get into identity politics, which is also insane because of the same problem. This is disconnection and this clinging and this, this fear, right? And so that all of those lessons helped me become me now, where 
it's not that I don't get scared or I don't have to, you just, you allow it to go through. You don't claim, you don't say I'm now an afraid person or now I'm, I'm an unsafe person or whatever that feeling is. You're like, oh, that's a feeling. Like I teach my daughter. They're just, they're emotions, they're energy in motion. It's just keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Don't stay stuck in that. Keep it flowing, shake it off, move your body, do what you gotta do. Go ground, go outside, get some sun, breathe, you know? Get some music going, tone, dance, like get that energy unstuck in you. And then you're you're now the vessel for the divine that really is your goal here. That's what I feel anyway, is to be that um, pristine vessel for the light, for love, for truth, for peace, prosperity, all the things that we ultimately do want and what we're all doing, the things we're doing. Anyway, we want love, nurturing, all these things, right? We all want the same things, but we block them in ourselves because we're so scared. We're so scared to feel the feelings, even if they're uncomfortable, right? So that's, you know, going into the discomfort through all those processes, through all those teachers, being like in courtroom, scared out of your wits, you know, (laughs) like trembling and having to speak up and put a judge on on their bench oath. Like, yeah, that's crazy, right? But I had to do it because I had to know the limits. I had to know what's the worst case scenario for me in this now. Okay, it's a contempt of court. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, I get it. I get that, you know, and and really play with this reality. And uh, and now I feel seasoned in it. So I, I hope, you know, I hope people can take away the idea that um, everyone's past different. I'm not in anybody's body. I can't for anybody else all I got is me right but ultimately I feel there's similarities between us all that we can agree upon and it really comes down to love and just trying to trying to feel that and be that and emanate that and that's the ultimate healing that's the real healing I mean if it's just if we could just bottle love I don't know snort it <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'd have it we'd be we'd yeah. be good we'd be done We'd probably be, I don't know, maybe we'd finally have freaking hover cars. Are we ever going to get hover cars? I mean, I know, right? Hover car, but I don't see them. Yeah, I don't either. So we're still arguing about the number of genders. Uh, we're going backwards. <laughs> well, I love, I love your closing <laughs> philosophical uh, statement. That was really beautiful, and I, I resonate with all of that deeply um, in my experience and and just my reality. So thank you for bringing us home with some deep truth there. I appreciate it. Um, anywhere other than things we've talked about, you want to send people to a uh, website, social media or anything before we check out? Uh, I've got Telegram, Healthy Dose of Truth. I'm thinking about starting a podcast in the same name because sometimes I just want to talk, you know. Um, yeah, just get I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, like someone else I know. Um, and I, I think... Yummy.doctor is probably like the central hub because you can get to all my other websites from like, you can literally click on any video, scroll down and all the social media is just right there for you. That's probably the easiest place to go. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad we finally got to connect after all these years of kind of being in the periphery of uh, social circles and whatnot. I love the work you're doing in the world and uh, love the info you dropped here on the lifestyle. So thanks for joining us. Thank you.
All right, thanks for taking yet another ride on the Lifestylist train today. I hope it leaves you inspired to do some research and experimentation with the miraculous substance called DMSO. And y'all don't forget that the end of COVID launch is ongoing now through July 11th. Make sure to sign up at lukestory.com slash end of COVID and get it while it's still free. That's a hot tip for you. Next week's episode is number 481, where my wife Allison and I discuss our conception journey and offer numerous tools for creating a healthy, happy, and spiritually based relationship. She and I have published quite a few episodes together, and I gotta say, this one is my favorite yet. So make sure to click follow or subscribe on your podcast player app so you don't miss that one or any episodes to follow. See you soon.